0: Alternative perspectives, and genuine collaboration. Our special guest today is a dear friend and generous leader, Susan Jin Davis. She has over 25 years of experience in the communications and technology industry, including her most recent role as a chief sustainability officer for Comcast NBC Universal, where she developed strategies and set priorities, as well as implementing the company's sustainability program across all business units and functions. Previously, Susan was Senior Vice President of Operations Compliance and was responsible for implementing product policies, operationalizing regulatory and legal requirements, reducing costs of the cable business, and managing business compliance. In 2011, Susan negotiated a historic memorandum of understanding between Comcast and the Asian American community as part of the community's merger with NBC Universal that created groundbreaking commitments to the areas of programming, supplier, and employment diversity and community investment. She served on Comcast's Internal Diversity Council and was the company's liaison to the Comcast and NBC Universal Joint Diversity Council. She was also an executive sponsor for the Asian Pacific Americans at Comcast, a company employee resource group. Susan also was integral in the 2011 launch of Comcast Internet Essentials Program, the nation's largest, most comprehensive, and most successful high-speed internet adoption program for low-income Americans in the country. The program is Comcast's most successful community investment initiative, having connected more than 3 million low-income Americans to the power of the internet in their homes. Susan is a close friend and somebody I deeply admire. Welcome to ROG. Thanks, Shannon,
1: for having me. It's great to uh, be talking to you on the record, so to speak.
0: Talking to you about generosity is like talking to a dog about sleeping. It's just like something that you do all the time, and you may not even recognize it as a part of what you do. So, I'd love to start with your definition of generosity. How would you define it?
1: I think uh, generosity to me is about kindness and compassion, and when I think about people, it's it's also about openness and. You know, seeing things from another point of view., um, it's about the way that you behave around listening, opening up rooms, and opening up places for other people. And ultimately, I think it's grounded in gratitude. and And what I mean by that is, you know the way I grew up as a child of immigrants is was watching my parents and watching my family struggle in America as immigrants, coming here with nothing, having no connections. Having not a lot to offer us except hard work and sacrifice. And as I watched them being generous with us, giving us everything when they gave themselves nothing, that gratitude to me translated into sort of a foundational desire to be generous and to give back and to, you know, make, you know, make some contribution and to not forget from where I came. So, generosity is openness, kindness, but also about being thankful. And because I'm thankful, finding a way that I can give that generosity, I can be generous to other people as it was given to me. So that's how that's how I think about it, sort of philosophically. Yeah,
0: I think that's spot on, Susan. And I, I have seen that witnessed in how you operate as a leader. when I mean, you truly demonstrate servant leadership. So I'd love to hear your description of that.
1: I have to put my team members in a position to succeed. I guess that's what servant leadership is. I didn't really think of it as something that I did. It's just what I believe has to happen for teams to work well together, to be successful, but for individuals on the team who are people to put them in a position to be happy, to be content, to be productive, to succeed, to have connections to one another. You're mostly there to facilitate, you're mostly there to support. Because if people aren't first, I don't think you can have a good team. And I don't think you remember that there's people on that team and that those people are individuals that you have a responsibility for as a leader. So for me, that's just who I am. I'm not really that conscious that, you know, Oh, today I'm going to be a servant leader. Uh, today I'm going to lead this way. It's just sort of what I believe, I guess. And I'm trying to be as values-driven as I can be. Not always successful because I am a human, but... <laughs> That's my goal. That's my goal.
0: Exactly, and I appreciate that vulnerability of recognizing that you're on a journey too and that through this journey what you've recognized is by prioritizing people and making them your top focus area, everything else works itself out or is more effective because you have made those priorities and that's not an easy thing. Can you think of a time when you really struggled with What to do because you saw a problem that needed to be fixed, and then you saw people associated with that problem, and you had to just remind yourself to put people first.
1: This has been a process. This has been an evolution for myself in terms of the way that I lead. Earlier in my career, when I was given leadership positions at a time that I hadn't learned what leadership really means, what I was doing is sort of these so called leadership things I was supposed to do. I was supposed to command, I was supposed to make decisions top down. What followed from that was a team that wasn't connected to one another. I thought the product was important. Let's get to the results. If you get too much into that, you do start to forget about the people and you stop seeing the people. And I think that one important thing that I've learned over the course of my career is that people want to be seen, people should be seen. And then there are people that aren't seen that we need to purposefully remember to see. And when you see people, And what I mean by that is beyond the labels, beyond what the stereotypes are, when you see people for who they are, that taps into something in them that that creates this amazing connection and amazing work that arises from that. You bring the best out in people and then the best out of the team. And so when I've been too focused on business results, I have forgotten about people. And I've made mistakes about people and judgments about people. And I've forgotten about people. And I think that's that's a big lesson. And it's something that you have to be mindful about. And mindfulness is something that I've been trying really hard to work on, especially in the last year during this pandemic. Mindfulness is really important. While we're
0: on this topic of seeing people and recognizing people and prioritizing them, it sounds to me like there was a time when you either were treated in a way that allowed you to see this being modeled or you just said i think i'm going to try a
1: new strategy and prioritize people what happened because of my actual lived experiences in the workplace when it comes to being a woman a lot of times i felt like i had to sort of like degender myself i had to neutralize my gender which is by the way not possible all of you listening you cannot degender yourself When I walk into the room, whether I have created this neutral gender posture for myself, I'm pretty sure they know I'm a woman. So all my efforts were for nothing, but we're taught. We need to kind of ramp down on being a woman and, you know, don't be too emotional and be careful about your voice and what you wear and how you say things, your approach. Don't want to be too aggressive. You know, There's just all this litany of things that we're told as women that we have to do in order to be successful at work, which means try not to be a woman, number one. Number two, You know, when I became a mother early on, I worked for people who either didn't have children or, quite frankly, didn't have a lot of uh, values around family. It was actually taken against me if I didn't work those long hours, and I had to kind of not talk about my child and not share that part of my life because it would be. I felt it would be taken against me. I felt that it was a negative that I was a woman who just had a baby, and I actually had an experience with a boss that that really was more direct about on that point that I couldn't be as good as other people because I had a baby. So again, another area where I had to be something other than myself not share anything about them. Family, you know, Shannon, my family, I can't ignore my family, even if I wanted to. I mean, it's part of my Korean culture. So I think that the road to who I am today has been around learning that that is not a workable way to be in the workplace, that that creates all sorts of problems internally and externally. And I felt like I wasn't really being myself and authentic because I wasn't in an environment that accepted me, that was open. Like we talked about generosity at the beginning, the openness, the acceptance, the feeling of safety and security, a a, a space where you can be yourself, where you're welcome. So that has become my mission in life is to create that environment for me and my team.
0: Absolutely. I've heard that recently that the distinction between inclusion and belonging is that inclusion is bringing your best self to work. Belonging is bringing your true self to work. And I'm hearing you say, when I got to bring my full self to work, then I could really demonstrate that people first type of a leadership style I wonder what experiences have you had where your leaders allowed you to be first in line or that they they invested in you or
1: they demonstrated generosity toward you? People have been generous to me and have given me opportunities and opened doors for me, included me in rooms that, by the way, I wasn't naturally invited into. So wanting to mirror that, wanting to give back has been a lot about remembering my experiences with generosity. I think oftentimes you you're you're fighting against all of the stereotypes and all of the preconceived notions about you. You've got a lot of external things that are inundating you, but it's also how you feel about yourself. How do you feel about being a woman and a person of color? How does that make you feel? Do you, you start believing the hype and what you've been experiencing. That's the problem with all of this is that it, it begins to create a mindset in yourself. So I've had people I've worked for who have seen past all that garbage in my head, in my own head and seen pa- past all the stuff that is out there in the world, telling you who you should be or shouldn't be and what you can and cannot do. That's how I got to Comcast. And then once I got to Comcast, I had people, my boss, who who also said, you know, I see that in you as well. And I'm actually going to give you opportunities. You're going to have to perform once I let you in that room, but I'm going to let you in the room in the first place. That success happened, but could not have happened if I didn't have those sponsors and those benefactors, people that were literally investing in me because they saw something I didn't see. They saw potential in me and they took a chance on me. And that I'm, again, generosity. I am so grateful for that. And I hope I can do the same for others. I'm just grateful.
0: When we come back, Susan will share how the CEO of her past company responded after the devastating loss of her husband. Hi there, I'm Maria Alvarez, a partner at an Amlaw 100 firm. The career path for diverse lawyers may look different than the traditional path. We face distinct challenges and enjoy unique opportunities. Every week on the Legally Balanced podcast, I will help you navigate the waters of developing a successful legal career as a diverse attorney, from developing a book of business, to enhancing productivity, to getting promoted. Join me and subscribe to the Legally Balanced podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player. And we're back. With more from the one and only Susan Jin Davis. So, what are some personal ways that some of your past employers have demonstrated like the most meaningful generosity? There's
1: been a couple. I mean, the, the one that sticks out is the CEO at the company that I was at before Comcast. Uh, the CEO was incredibly gracious and kind to me when my husband died just gave me the time that I needed to get myself together, if you can, after such a loss. But he, he immediately reacted with kindness and humanity. Here he is the number one person in the company. But it, and I at the time I was doing investor relations. And, and when my husband died, it was like around the end of the second quarter. So we were getting ready for second quarter results. Publicly great company, so I was obviously a big part of that. So again, the modeling, this is all kind of being stored in the brain around when I get to be a boss, what will I do? And that's what I learned from him on that. The second is that I had a boss at Comcast who, early on in my career at the company, actually within the first couple months, to be honest with you, I had at the time my daughter was in kindergarten when I started at Comcast. I had been in an environment, you know, right before where, you know, motherhood, like I mentioned, wasn't really, you know, cherished. But anyway, but uh, at the time I was saying to my boss, I have to leave a little bit early. I've got to go pick up my daughter. And I kind of went into this long explanation of all the things I needed to do, but I would be back on email and I would be back working as soon as I got my daughter and I would work into the night. You know, I made this long, drawn out explanation, justifying me going to pick up my daughter from kindergarten. And my boss at the time said, I never, ever want you to say this to me again. I never want you to ask me this. I never want you to tell me this again. Just do what you have to do. And I was astonished. I was like, you mean it? It's actually okay that I have a personal life that it's not supposed to be a secret, that I actually can take care of my family and not think that there's going to be some sort of negative repercussions or punishment or whatever. I was so amazed. To me, that was an act of kindness. I know it, you would think that it shouldn't be an act of kindness. It should be normalized, but it isn't. And that really made a huge difference to me.
0: Thank you for that background, because I think that helps us to understand how People First became such a big priority for you and for all of us listening to think, okay, how can I model that in my own leadership and how can I invest in people and really it? So, you mentioned mindfulness, and I know that's something that you practice very deliberately. Tell us a little bit about mindfulness and how that can be a way to be generous to ourselves.
1: Yeah, mindfulness has been an important journey I've been taking in the last year since being at home. And again, I'm going to bring this back to how I grew up. I think as a child of immigrants, you're always worried about the future because you always have to think about the future in terms that are greater than about yourself. Like, how am I going to get the job? Necessary to help my family and and help my family in, in material ways, but also symbolically, you know, to represent my family, to bring pride to my family all the things that they have not been able to achieve in this country because they have been branded the forever foreigner. So this whole year has been around slowing down and saying, wait a minute, what's happening right now? And how can I live in a way that doesn't miss what's happening right in front of me? And I think that makes you a better leader too, because you're looking at the team right in this moment and you're seeing the people Right in this moment, and what their needs are. If you're too future thinking, you're thinking about the goals and the results. And are we, are we, where are we to go? And what are our results going to be? And by the way, I've done this, I've made those mistakes. So I'm not saying I'm perfect, far from it, but I've been trying to learn around being here and now and not missing the here and now. So mindfulness is around naming the things that are in front of you now, giving yourself affirmations, and therefore also giving others those same affirmations.
0: Yes, absolutely. Affirmations and permission is what I'm hearing you say too, is the permission to be present, the permission to focus on the now, enjoy the now. The other thing I'm hearing you say too, Susan, is around compassion. I, you know, a lot of what you're discussing is connection, listening, being attentive, bothering, caring about what you're witnessing and to give compassion and empathy.
1: I absolutely think that. I mean, I I had a really difficult year from 2018 to 19 when my mother was diagnosed with cancer up until she died, a terrible death. And the thing about compassion is that there were people so compassionate towards me. You know, my team members were like, "We got this." don't worry, do what you need to do. We're here for you. And that's the compassion. And that's the generosity that makes a place more than just about work, makes the team more than just about the results. And that's so important at home, at work, everywhere. We need need more of that.
0: Totally agree. And I think that answers the question of where is the return on generosity? And we don't give so that we can get, but we all know that there are so many dividends to making these kinds of investments and contributions. And you just described one of them, which is around the freedom and the trust that you have built with your team. What are some other ways in which you have seen the return on generosity?
1: Well, I think that if you have an environment that is about inclusion and is, is about openness, then you allow people to expand their mind around what is possible. What is possible becomes very big. It may even become infinite. The possibilities are endless. And so what you see is this generation of ideas, impacts that you never would have had if you didn't have that kind of environment, because it would have been very confined to financial results and by the way, I, I was focused on that too. You can ask the team. They're like, oh yeah, she says that she was compassionate, but she still asked about the numbers. Uh, so yeah, that was part of it. Um, <laughs> yes, but it was also about the, the possibilities beyond those typical results. And so we got so many great ideas from the team, You know, like in sustainability on how do we impact the world outside of the company, in the community, you know and in this during the last year where you see the economy just so direly affected you see businesses that w- may never open again that are closed forever you see more poverty more hunger more desperation and if there were marginalized communities that were suffering already they're even worse off today so you you unleash this creative creativity in the team around something bigger than themselves than the company and about the impact they can have outside in the community and on the world. Like, you allow that to happen. And so I saw that. I saw so many ideas generated around the bigger impact. Um, I saw people feeling comfortable to take risks where they had never done a particular type of job. Um, They didn't feel they were qualified for it because they, you know, they didn't have experience, credentials. So the learning is, is more comfortable because it's allowed, you're allowed to, to think bigger than what you've done. Um, so I saw that. I saw um, people just be willing to help one another more. I saw that there was a desire to fill the gaps in, you know, with the other team members that instead of being competitive with one another, not that they weren't competitive because they are competitive, but that they also were Compassionate and caring about their team members, and would jump in to help to assist. Not only if someone's having a personal difficulty, but if hey, I'm I'm not as busy as you right now, and you are slammed. Let me come in and help you. Sort of the the desire to to reach out to one another, and I have a lot of team love. I'm gonna I'm yeah. just gonna say I'm gonna put it out there.
0: Makes sense. Yes,
1: and you know that
0: that is a return. Right, you you invest in them, you put people first. We can't continually evolve if we don't get opportunities to grow. So we're going to close with your favorite quote, which is from Martin Luther King Jr. And it is, the time is always right to do what is right. How does that speak to you?
1: Well, there's a lot of things that that speaks to. The first is that I really believe that I I should be values-driven, that we should be values-driven, that we should be doing what's right. Not because it makes sense, because it makes money, because it's convenient, but because it's the right thing to do. And the right thing to do is many times not easy, many times has risk, many times has exposure, many times is difficult, but you got to do it and you've got to be courageous and, and do what is right. And what follows from that, I think, will also be right. I think that is also about generosity. Because generosity is not just something that happens when it's good for you. Generosity is a way of life. It's a way of operating. It's, it's who you are, it's how you conduct yourself. And so similarly, what Dr. King says is that generosity is about doing the right thing. And you don't just do the right thing occasionally. You don't just do the right thing when it's convenient. It makes sense for you and you're going to get something out of it.
0: Oh my gosh, Su- Susan, thank you for being who you are in my life personally as a dear friend and the role that you play in the world, the the voice that you have and, and the skillful way that you use it. I am deeply grateful for your generous leadership.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Shin. And this was great. And I look forward to more of your podcasts where I can continue to learn from you. Thank you. ROG
0: Takeaway Tip How to apply what we've learned to our own work and lives. Susan shared invaluable insights on how to live and lead. Let's personalize some of them and think about how to implement her sage advice on people first, servant leadership, see people, work life integration, sponsorship, and mindfulness. Susan's philosophy of people first is significant and important. What did we learn about how to put people first? the top priority are the people. What would you have to change in your current work environment for that to be your reality? How would you rate your current culture on how well you put people first? Does it happen only in some pockets in the organization? Do only certain leaders prioritize people above all else? Is it a cultural norm or is it non-existent? What would progress look like from wherever you are? People first is another way to say servant leadership. Servant leadership is a leadership philosophy in which the goal of the leader is to serve. So instead of the people working to serve the leader, the leader exists to serve the people. Let's just think about how well we operate and prioritize in this way, and what would an adjustment look like in our own leadership behavior? See people. Susan reminded us how important it is for us to see people and for people to feel seen, valued, acknowledged. It's not what you look like, rather who you are, unlike anybody else, unique in how you see the world, inspiring about what you care about and how you navigate your life, worthy of respect, affection, and appreciation. Seen, truly seen. How well do you see people in your workplace and at home and in your personal life? How curious are you about others? How willing are you to let others see you and be seen? This echoes the encouragement Susan shared about inclusion and belonging. Keep your mind open and learn about others. Work-life integration. Susan's personal stories about navigating the challenges of being a working mom were powerful. How are we honoring and creating space for people to have a life outside of work? Are we the leader who expects the long explanation and the late night emails when our team has parental obligations or they just wanna invest time with their families? Or are we the leader who says, I trust you, I respect you. I encourage you to live a life of abundance. If we don't adjust expectations about how much time we expect people to invest in work at the expense of their personal lives, we will have a talent retention and acquisition crisis. The generation entering the workplace right now prioritizes wellness, restoration, and self-care. This may be an area of development for some of us, both as a leader and as an individual. So think about it. How integrated are all of the components of your one wild and precious life? Sponsorship. Who do you recognize as a diamond in the rough? You see their potential and know that with helpful coaching and encouragement, this person is going to shine. Who do you recognize that's already a full-scale diamond? maybe they're in a box or on a shelf or somebody's just not recognizing their luster. Think of the person who is reliable, resilient, and respected, but isn't getting selected for the next level role. Can you sponsor them? You see their talent and potential, and none of us got here alone. So perhaps the generous thing that you could do is set up time with this person who comes to mind. Find out what their interests are, what's in their way, either in reality or in perception, and help them on their journey. Sponsor someone. Who is that person in your world? The last reflection is on mindfulness. It's an essential ingredient to be present, and it's so hard. <laughs> Most of our thoughts are either in the past, ruminating or reflecting on what happened, transpired or took place sometime in the past, Whether, or our minds are in the future, fearing or planning what's ahead with different activities, decisions, and demands. But what about right now? The only thing that's real is right now. I remember reading Eckhart Tolle's book, The Power of Now, and it amazed me how much of the now I've missed. So don't let it pass you by. Susan said mindfulness is about naming the things that are in front of you now and giving yourself affirmation and therefore also giving others those same affirmations like be here now. I am enough. All I need is within me now. I am a force for good. Let's sit with those. Be here now. I am enough. All I need is within me now. I am a force for good. Susan said, generosity is a way of life, and I totally agree. It's a way of operating. It's who you are. It's how you conduct yourself. And so generosity is about doing the right thing. And don't just do the right thing occasionally or when it's convenient. Do it always. To recap, put people first by choosing the proper order. You serve them. See people truly. Examine your own beliefs and leadership behavior related to work-life integration and make the adjustments necessary. Sponsor the people you are willing to double down on. Find out what they want and help them get it. End mindfulness. Practice the discipline of being in the moment so you don't miss it. Until next week, do the right thing and stay generous, everyone.